0: Today's sponsor is Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com recode and using the promo code recode. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Executive Editor of Recode. And I'm Lauren Good, Senior Tech Editor at The Verge. And this is Too Embarrassed to Ask, our podcast about consumer tech. Not just gadgets, but also apps,
1: services, and really anything that has to do with you, the consumer, and all of your embarrassing personal tech questions.
0: So send us those embarrassing personal tech questions. Yes. Uh, we really do read them all. First, you can tweet them to at Recode or to myself or to Lauren with the hashtag TooEmbarrassed. That's two R's and two S's in Embarrassed. We also have an email address that comes with a guarantee. If you send an
1: email between 1 a.m. and 3 (laughs) a.m., Kara will be sure to respond within five minutes. Yeah. Absolutely. And then we'll answer it. But the email address is too at recode.net. Again, that
0: has two R's and two S's. And we have a great back catalogue of podcasts too, which you can find on iTunes at iTunes.com slash too Yes. And today we've been doing
1: this for almost a year. We do we think about it? Wow. Yeah, because we started after CES last year. Oh, you're I still right. remember the headline of that podcast. It was Life's a Peach after CES. And we talked about all of the oh, crazy Peach. gadgets we saw oh, that we talked yeah, about that Casey. social network
0: with Wow, Casey. And so you're wearing wow. in my honor a sasquatch best today that's nice i really oh, like it just to keep me warm i'm wearing my it's latest faux. t-shirt uh, my wolverine t-shirt today oh mm-hmm. i like wolverine yeah that's who cool doesn't? it's a good look who doesn't like wolverine anyway uh,
1: well today i'm too embarrassed to ask we're going to yes. be talking about something In our year anniversary did you buy me anything of a downer no but i did get you a birthday present happy belated birthday now uh-huh. everybody knows mm. i know you're one of those people mm-hmm. that doesn't like everybody yeah, it's knows it's your birthday so i really would and
0: like that present now yeah you know anyway what are we doing today all right We're going to talk about something that's a little
1: bit of a downer. Oh, all right. Okay. So a lot of you, when it comes to a new year, you start to make resolutions around organizing your stuff, cleaning out closets, losing weight, whatever it might be. But there's something you should not ignore when the year is coming to an end. And that is your digital legacy. Basically Mm -hmm. what happens to you and all of your
0: digital stuff when you die. Hmm. That's a lovely topic. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm, I don't really care because I'll be dead, but all right, okay. <laughs> there's a huge amount of data on all of us floating out there in the ether, where we will be when we die. Uh, not to mention all of our social media profiles and email accounts and everything else. It's really quite astonishing. And and then there may be some things you want kept private, but other things you want people to have access to when they need to, if they have to take care of your digital afterlife and everything. And there's, there's lots of articles written on this, this idea of what happens. I just think it's going to be fascinating because we used to leave behind pay papers and now we don't pretty much. Right. And you know old photos that someone would put in a box and keep in their basement and that sort of thing. Old
1: and and moldy. Like I have 4,000 photos on my phone right now and most of them are meaningless but can you imagine like something happened and someone had to go through those photos. Yeah, I'd like what like, was that oh, picture God. of that like salmon? Cat. <laughs> like a cat. A cat, cat. cat again. I have a lot of cats lately. Cats. Yeah, you do have a lot of cat photos know, lately. Really sad. But let's not ignore our guest because yes. we have a really special guest joining us today to talk about this. Phil Libin. A lot of you may know Phil's name from when he was the CEO of Evernote, the popular cloud-based app for note-taking. Now he's the managing director of General Catalyst, and as it turns out, he's kind of a guru when it comes to the digital afterlife. Oh, is there a guru? So with Phil that? is
0: going to join. Hi, Phil. Cool. Hello. How are you doing? Are you the guru of the digital afterlife?
2: I, apparently, I am for the purposes of this podcast.
0: That's, <laughs> a, that's a really good thing to put on your card in Silicon Valley because no one will laugh at it I'm copiously. Are you a I'm gonna, shaman? I'm
2: going to get a card and shaman. I'm going to call myself a shaman.
0: Okay, all right. Okay, so let's uh, do a little behind the scenes. Uh, we found out you're really interested in this topic because someone from your team reached out to us. They said you had read Casey Newton's story from The Verge about a woman whose friend died, so she built a bot that recreated him in AI. So, why did you like the story so much? Well, it was a great story by the way it was
2: super good story and, and very well written by casey i actually uh, i've known uh, evgenia uh, Zhenya, as she's known for for a while she's got a really cool uh, ai company called uh, luca and yeah they've got this great story about uh can you make something a version of yourself that lives on after you're after you're dead and and Can you do that, and why would you want to do that, and what's good about it, and what's bad about it, and it's kind of a fascinating topic, and it's one I've been thinking about for a few years.
0: Do you think people should recreate? So you do think people should think about this?
2: Yeah, I think uh, you know, preparing to have an elegant death is a really good way to lead an elegant life. I think it's one Mm. of the one of the most. One of the best things you can do to actually make sure that you're living every day the way that you want to live it.
0: Wow, I have a whole different approach to that. I'm going to have myself cremated and then thrown in the face of people I don't
2: like. See, that is an <laughs> elegant death. That's <laughs> yeah. exactly what you I think? mean. That's beautiful. I think
0: it's without any class. That was my goal. Try,
2: try to surprise them. Oh, really? Yeah. And I've
0: just told them now. Mm. Uh, they don't know who they are. Yeah. They don't know. And they... someone will throw, and Lauren's going to do it. And then, then they're going to say, what was that? And they'll say, Kara says, fuck you. So. Kara says hi. Well, I can't tell you how many times I've actually been out somewhere. And I'll get a
1: text message from Kara that, like, she just magical knows who's there at the bar and she'll be like go send them a drink and say it's from Kara Swisher. Yeah. I've done it twice yeah, recently true. and it's like people are like whoa creepy.
0: how did she know she's <laughs> so, not here? Because I'm actually dead um, and, and you don't realize that. So Phil, so but there's so much stuff out there and stuff that you don't think you don't ever think about it now because you're so you, people pretty much vomit mm-hmm. up everything on social media. Pick like Lauren said pictures, little tweets, text and text for example kind of some embarrassing mm-hmm. some just stupid or meaningless, and emails, which they're doing a lot less of, obviously. So, talk a little about: Have you done this yourself, or help friends do it?
2: I haven't actually sat down and figured out, you know, what I want my digital legacy to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have thought about, uh, you know, how how it could be structured, and, and more importantly, like, what do I want to do while I'm alive to, you know, make that as as compelling as possible. And
0: it's not too much stuff already. Like, it's sort of like a closet full of crap.
2: Oh, it's way too much stuff. But I think you got to assume that it isn't really a f- an editing and a filtering problem. Like, mm-hmm. if you have some amazing stuff, like, that's the stuff that'll get filtered towards the top. So I wouldn't worry too much about, you know, getting rid of the mediocre stuff. I would worry about, like having worthwhile exceptional stuff in there as well. Mm
1: -hmm. Now, in Casey's story that he wrote for The Verge and um, this company, Luca, that you mentioned, what they're doing is they're taking all this data for, you know, the people have exchanged messages and these other digital communications forms that Kara has talked about. And after a person has passed away, they're able, as they proved with their friend, they're able to actually create this AI, this person that you know, person, quote-unquote, that responds to you using sort of the natural language that person might have used and stuff like that. Is that something that you, you would consider doing?
2: Well, they're not doing this after a person has passed away. Uh, they did it, uh, they started with doing this with their friend Roman, who who happened to pass away. That that was their idea. But uh, the idea is that you should be able to do this for, for anyone, for yourself. You should be able to train your own uh, mini AI version and talk with it and have your friends talk with it and interact with it. And uh, hopefully, mostly while everyone is still alive, although it does pick the question of what happens if, uh, what happens when the person that this AI was created around is no longer uh, no longer alive?
0: Yeah, talk about the various things you should do in each of the mediums. Now, you ran a company that was all about note taking and mm-hmm. and keeping track of everything. like yeah. you, at one point you had like your food, your everything.
2: Yeah, remember uh, everything was our yeah remember was it. Was so slogan. So
0: go through the different mediums: email, Twitter, uh, Facebook, which has some stuff that has, has you can do instructions for your digital afterlife on Facebook. I haven't done that, but you can do it.
2: Yeah, and we had this issue happen quite a bit. You know, we. We have had people contact us uh, saying they were, you know, with the estate or family of, of Evernote users who had passed away and wanting access to data. So we had to, we had to struggle with, you know, what are we actually going to do in these cases? And we had to make a policy for what happens uh, to a user's uh, data once they've passed away and their estate gets in contact with us. You know, there's a, there's a bunch of stuff to think through. But basically, it, it's about you should have an opinion about what you want to, to have happened. And you should make that opinion known uh, while you're still alive. But I also don't think that that's a centrally important thing. I think a more important thing is uh, use the, uh, the time to think about your your legacy as a way to think about your life. And my guess is most people listening to this podcast still have you know many years and many decades when they're probably going to be alive. And if they start thinking about what their legacy is. That'll influence them to to lead a better and more worthwhile life, so that there so that there is a legacy. I think that's the real power of this.
1: Mm-hmm. For our listeners, though, who are looking for sort of more tactical, you know, pieces of advice, things they can actually do to sort of. Determine who's going to get access to their stuff if mm-hmm. they happen to pass away what are the best steps to take
2: so um, decide what you want to have happened and um, let people know about it put it in your will uh, you know if you have a, an attorney uh, do that and I would say do that um, before you actually go through any of the tech tools that have that happen to have UIs for this like the, the actual functionality of Facebook and other companies you know that'll, that'll probably change many times over the next few years mm-hmm. so it's better to just explain what your intentions are what they
0: want and who has access to because in Facebook you give people access to yeah. and, and I don't know about Twitter actually I didn't. I don't remember, recall doing it on Twitter
2: I haven't seen it on Twitter. I haven't seen it on Twitter uh, I've done it on Facebook but I think um, I think it's better to uh, decide who you want to have access to what and just like write it out in longhand like in a letter that you stick into your will or something that doesn't assume any particular technology or any particular access controls, you know. And then go ahead if you want to do that on Facebook and other things. But really, the important thing is just to have have some kind of a statement where you're deciding how you want this handled, whether you want uh, your family have access to everything, nothing, something in between. Just decide, figure it out.
0: And then, what do the companies do <coughs> when there isn't stuff? Because everybody has these sort of. I mean, sometimes they may they just stay there. Like uh, several of my friends who have died, they still have presence. Obviously, there's no activity on them, but they're just there as if... And then yesterday, someone put David Carr's Twitter handle on a tweet to me, and it was so jarring to see it. They were talking about the column, you should do a column like David Carr, and it was really jarring to see it because he's not living.
2: Yeah. I mean, for... uh, So this really varies from company to company, and... The important thing isn't only that it varies from company to company, but that it's going to continue to vary for the next few years. Mm. Like even companies that have something now will be changing it. Like this is an evolving field, so you shouldn't you shouldn't trust uh, any particular snapshot uh, of it. You should just uh, try to express what you want in, in in high level terms in a you know a document that'll probably survive most of these companies. But uh, but yeah, different companies have different methodologies for accessing it. One thing that you can do is at least right now your access to your email address tends to be the key to everything else. Like if if you leave your email address and password to someone, they can usually go and reset passwords for any accounts that they want to get into. And so right now, in the end of 2016, it's probably enough for you to just leave your email address and password to to change
0: everything else mm-hmm. yeah
2: and then they can decide. if you have somebody that you trust to do that then they can go and change everything else you know probably 10 years from now or maybe even 5 years from now that won't be sufficient because there will be other access control systems that are more important so that, and then,
0: that leads to photos it leads to pretty much everything
2: for now it's pretty much everything for yeah. now you know if you have an email address and uh, you know if you've set up some kind of second factor authentication you know the yeah. phone number or something just leave that have to, to somebody And to the
0: phone too and then you have to have the password to the phone which of course Apple won't unlock no right. matter what which is really interesting
2: yeah but but usually right now, you know, access to, to someone's email account will be enough. And that's kind of for better or for worse. That's why right. cybersecurity is in such a sorry state, because usually access to email is almost enough. Uh, but if you're concerned about having somebody be able to kind of have access to your information and figure out what, what should be kept or should be deleted, then the easiest thing to do is just make sure somebody has access to your email.
0: Do you, do you advocate just getting rid of it? Because I've thought about just having it. Is having someone just eliminate everything, just delete everything? Yeah, uh, although that sort of leaves out your whole the I mean, story of your life. Yeah,
2: it's going to be hard to guarantee that everything got deleted. Um, you could
0: delete a lot of stuff. It's going to be
1: hard to know yeah. anything really yeah. once you're. Yeah, I <laughs> mean, there's a,
2: a lot of stuff. Well, that's true too. So yeah. it comes down to the basic question of like, what do you actually want? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, what do you what do you care about? And I'm convinced that for the vast majority of people. All of the things that you think may be embarrassing, or just like too much stuff, or random—like it won't matter. No one's going to look at it. That's just the the artifacts of moving through life. But if there are, you know, exceptional things that you that you want preserved, then then you can preserve them.
1: I'm so like I was so like in charge just like thinking of, you know, of what you're gonna do okay. yeah I'm like we'll be around for a what while about those photos.
0: Right, what about uh, financial information that's just handled regularly you know you have online bank accounts, but most banks you do it in the normal way with whoever the executor of the will is gets to go through those.
2: That's right, yeah, and you should definitely handle uh, you should have a will and you should handle all of the financial and estate stuff normally because that that transcends any particular company like mm-hmm. that doesn't assume that you know, you've got this much in this brokerage or this account, like. But
0: that is normal. But social media—I I have a lot of legal papers and, and stuff, and, and they never have asked me about my intention of my digital life ever. Not a lawyer has not. There's not a section they've asked about everything else, but not. I don't think I've been asked by one lawyer. It's interesting.
2: Yeah, the the digital artifacts typically are not covered by by current state law. Uh, they probably should be, yeah. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's there's important stuff there.
0: Because letters are, go yeah. to your children or whatever everything mm-hmm. else physical yeah. is.
2: And so we worked on this at Evernote. So first we had to come up with a policy because we kept getting asked about this. And um, we sort of said the policy at the time um, was uh, – Privacy was the most important thing to us. So while you were alive, we would never release your information to anyone unless you wanted it. And we kind of thought, unless we hear otherwise, we just have to assume that that's the case even after you're, you're dead. So we would not release information to your next of kin or anyone else. like Unless there was like a court order that mm-hmm. would force us to do it, we would mm-hmm. say, look, if you want your Evernote uh, to be accessible, so your family members, you should set that up ahead of time. And what if even if someone
1: uh, showed you proof of death, like death certificate? You yeah, because it.
2: we wouldn't know that that, would mm-hmm. be, that was the intent. Want. But mm-hmm. then we actually, for a while, we worked on a product. Uh, we had a, really, a project that I really liked that we were going to codenaming it Evernote Century. We never wound up releasing it. Uh, but Evernote Century was a way that you could... Um, specify which parts of your Evernote account would be accessible to which people, and it would guarantee that it would stay accessible to those people for 100 years. And and do you
0: get rid of it? Like, when people die, do you get... You don't just... They just stay there, right? Everything just stays there.
2: For now, everything just stays there, unless, again, unless there's court orders uh, otherwise.
1: What happened to Evernote Century?
2: So we worked on it for... Probably a year, year and a half. You know, it was one of the things that we just we we never shipped. I mean, there's a lot of things that I mean, companies work on that we just decide. You know, we don't have the resources to really do this very well. But you know, I hope that uh, I hope that they get around to it. You know, at some point, and that other companies do something similar. The idea wasn't just to say what happens after you die. The idea was to say this is the stuff that you want to have available for a hundred years.
0: Well, historians oh, will want some of this stuff. I think historians will want a lot of it for well-known people. Yeah. I think it's. I think it'll be.
2: Yeah. You know, and and the problem of thinking through how do you keep something accessible for 100 years like that's a very interesting problem. Yeah. And and how do you do that assuming that the company isn't going to be around anymore? Yeah, like, we wouldn't want to assume that. And you're that,
0: not going to happen upon a paper stuck in a book in right a library and have a great historical right. historical. And discovery. you're not going to be
2: able, you're probably not going to be able to read a USB stick.
0: No, and right. that's you know, so. How would you future-proof that? Like with
1: Evernote Century, can. what was the idea behind taking these files and actually making sure they'd last for 100 years? Well, it
2: turns into mostly a financial problem, not a technical problem. So the, the way you do it is you keep it. Finan- financially viable for someone to care enough for 100 years to, to keep it accessible and to do the translations every couple of decades into whatever the new format is. So it really became mostly a long-term insurance problem. Like, can we set up a financial instrument that made it in someone's economic interest to keep this stuff accessible, even if the company was no longer around and even if formats changed. And, uh, you know, how much does that cost? How much would you have to uh, Or how much can do you that?
0: anticipate? I did a story once at the yeah. Washington Post, and this was a long, long time ago, about they were collecting old computers and old systems because nobody could read some of the old stuff. So they needed the actual computer that would work with whatever floppy disks or whatever. I mean, I had—I don't know where my floppy disks went, but I had yeah. a lot of them, and there were a lot of stuff on them. They're just gone it's I like guess. keeping a beta deck around right just yeah.
1: in case that tape comes through right from cassette you know, tapes 1990 sometimes. something well, donald even... trump saying something else <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> it's, it's something. I, I, mean, I, I mean
2: i'm not even sure his tweets yeah i'm not even sure if i can like still read a dvd they don't know that i have anything yeah i they can do it I, do. I have one if you want to borrow it. Okay. yeah i was gonna
0: say i, I have an optical disc all right well last question uh what about just a safe someone should print some of this stuff out and just keep it there and put it in there
2: so Evernote Century actually did include a, a very physical component. So the mm-hmm. idea is, uh, you would, if you ordered this thing, you would actually get some really nicely designed physical keys with uh, codes printed on them. That you can then you can choose to leave the physical keys together. You could choose to split them up. You can configure it so that both keys were necessary to be recombined oh to get God. access to data, or either one would do. Mm-hmm. The design was to print cryptographic codes. Visibly on top of the keys and make the keys in a way that they would survive for a very long time it's like a movie Yeah, we really tried to make it fairly uh, fairly cinematic fairly evocative wow. and, and I think that's an important part of it. Like again, the real value here is the value is to you while you're still alive The value mm-hmm. is to you to say Have I lived a worthwhile life? How do I make it more worthwhile? And that's a good question. Like, if more people it think about it that question. way, that's mm, it is. Like the yeah, world it is. will be better. It's very it's
1: thoughtful. It's kind of like when you take the time to actually go through your Instagram sometimes, or you go through your the photos that are stuck on your phone, and you start to see these patterns, or you have these like, like I never memories do that. that really you never completely get sort of retrospective
0: non-reflective. no i don't want any
1: you, I, you have been sitting on a plane with me where you've gone through photos and oh your my phone kids before. my kids i want yeah, i like so to collect pictures like, of my kids you Yeah, know,
0: it's a good reminder as yes, you saying but i'm not looking for perspective i'm looking for a photo you're,
2: you're uh, completely non-reflective you know what
0: drives me crazy the facebook yes the, vampire? the facebook exactly she Almost entirely. Like, I was I, The Facebook ones that say five years ago, four, you know, those freak me the hell out. I got to tell you. Oh, I
2: got really depressed when they did that last year. I think it was last year. They, they made this like little movies mm-hmm. for everyone. Oh, the movies are creepy. And they made the movie with like all your friends. And, mm-hmm. you know, I played it and um, it was all, like, I'm not a huge Facebook user. And mm-hmm. so like many, many of the photos of me on Facebook is just me sort of like, hugging some person that wanted a selfie oh no and so it was like two minutes of movies yeah, of me like of me like with my arm around someone like smiling mm-hmm. but i didn't actually know <laughs> who it was and it was just like end like endless versions of that and i was like wow i actually don't know anyone yeah.
0: i just got a picture of my kid uh, five years ago at, at one of our uh, commonwealth club events december events that we had and he was like three feet shorter than me and now he's three feet taller than me so it's a kind of an interesting uh, an interesting thing to look at. I in. have
1: this theory that Facebook memories has taught me that life is actually on a continuous loop and you just don't realize it no. until you see the memories. Because I've Elon had these well, like I just had these weird things happen where I'll get a Facebook memory and I'll be wearing some shirt that I haven't worn in years mm-hmm. and then like I'll look down and I'm wearing that same shirt that I dug from the back of my closet that day for no reason. Nice or Simulation. like a friend of mine that Come I used on. I remember one time I was like in a film group with the, I used to be in this film group in Brooklyn, we were very hip and there was this woman that I used to hang out with a lot at the film group, but then I hadn't heard from her in literally five years and then a memory with her surfaced and the day that memory surfaced she skype called me and she was like oh hey hey i just need advice on something mm-hmm. and we literally hadn't spoken mm-hmm. in years and it happened on the same day as the Eerie. facebook memory all right i've noticed
0: this pattern i have right. like started writing them down it's really weird all right lauren good who's simulation the, you and uh, tony shea and Leon <laughs> musk can have a nice dinner together in a minute we're going to talk more about digital life after death but first let's make some money in this life that we need to do. I'm sorry to tell you, Phil. First, a word from our sponsor, SoFi. This show is brought to you by SoFi. And today I'm talking to Michael Tannenbaum, Senior Vice President of Mortgages at SoFi. SoFi is a new kind of finance company offering student loan refinancing, mortgages, personal loans, wealth management, and more. Today, I'm asking Michael a question that some people may be too embarrassed to ask about mortgages. So now escrow is something else. Escrow sounds like something you shouldn't be eating, but it's, it's important. Can you explain what escrow is?
2: Yes. There's two interpretations of escrow. I mean, the most common is, so when you have a home, there's other expenses that you are obligated to pay. Namely, homeowners insurance and taxes, mm-hmm. you know, property taxes. And some people choose to pay those upfront. And, have, or, and they pay them to the mortgage company and let the mortgage company take care of the taxes and the insurance.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's one term for escrow. And then in California, in the mortgage business, people also use escrow to mean the closing process. When you sign and close the loan, you're, sa- you're said to be in escrow on a home. And I think that might be a California term,
0: mm-hmm.
2: but California is a big place. So for those that are
1: in California, that's another version of escrow.
0: Of See how SoFi can work for you at SOFI.com. Terms and conditions apply at SoFi.com slash legal. This podcast is also sponsored by Indeed Prime. Indeed Prime is a talent platform that matches elite tech talent to top companies. They make it easier for software engineers to find and land their dream job. With their help, you can get immediate exposure to the best tech companies with one simple application. And when you're hired, Indeed Prime gives you a $2,000 bonus. That's their way of saying thank you. But if you use our Too Embarrassed Ask link, you'll get a $5,000 bonus instead. So sign up now at Indeed.com recode. Indeed Prime is 100% free for job candidates and helps hiring managers discover available, high-quality talent. Learn more at Indeed.com recode. So every week, we either take questions from our readers or solicit comments from them online. And again, you can do that by tweeting us with the hashtag TooEmbarrassed, or you can email TooEmbarrassed at recode.net. This week, we asked you for your questions about what happens to your digital life after you die. The first question is from Saptashwa, Saptashwa B on Twitter. What happens to Facebook pages if we are the only admin? Is there a way to pass them on? Lauren, I think you know the answer. To this. Well, Facebook says that pages with a sole admin
1: whose account was memorialized will be removed from Facebook if they receive a valid request. But only existing admins can change page roles. So it's kind of this catch-22, where there's if you haven't designated another admin before you die and you are the sole admin, there are some things you can do, but you're a little bit limited. However, if you are the sole admin, and you pass away, then memorializing a person's account requires contacting Facebook. And it's kind of unclear who you contact has the power to then turn you into an admin after someone has passed away. So the point is, like, if you are at all concerned about Facebook, it's probably a good idea just to designate another admin, because there are some things that can be done if you are the sole admin and you pass away. But it's going to require contacting Facebook, and you might not be able to do the things that you want to your page might not be memorialized in the way that you would think complicated death is complicated although no. I guess death is actually more, less complicated than life <laughs> why don't you answer the next, ask the next question okay the next question is also from Septashwa. he had a lot of questions about this I hope he's not planning for his imminent demise um, is there a way to include social media accounts data and emails in my will we talked about this earlier it's a good question including them in the will without sharing the password so that no one else has access so I was thinking about this too because what if you met with let's say like a lawyer or an attorney's office and you said okay I want to put all of my digital accounts into my will as well well, but you were like, well, I don't really want my password also sitting in this lawyer's, you know, this file in a lawyer's office. Like, I still am a little bit concerned about that. It's sort of like, how do you, I guess, how do you balance that? So should we go through how you go through each of these accounts? Mm
2: -hmm. I think there's a couple of different ways that you can think about this. If you want to just make a snapshot kind of at any given time, you can just do that. You can export pretty much all of your social media stuff from Facebook, from Twitter, from Gmail, uh, and then you just have that information locally. You can put it in a will. you You can pass it on. That isn't uh, live, so to speak, right? So that's only going to happen as of the time when you decide to do it. If you want to make sure that somebody has access to everything, like up until the minute that you die, it's a little bit more complicated. You have to work with companies that support that. I think Facebook does. I'm not sure Twitter does. Uh, Or you can leave a, a username and password with an attorney with instructions to, you know, log in once after you're dead export everything and give it and then, and then not actually pass that username and password on. So I think those are the, 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 the two most obvious questions. Uh, and if it's something that you already have a large body of work and you're not really that concerned about things going forward just in the past, then yeah, just once in a while, make a snapshot, uh, archive it, stick it on a USB stick or something and uh, give it to people.
1: Mm-hmm. We should also note Facebook and Twitter do both let you download archives of your personal data. That's including all of your activity and your profile info. Wow. Google calls it Google Takeout. That's what lets you download emails, contacts, calendars, all the stuff that you have in Gmail. Um, And then Google has something that I've actually used called an inactive account manager, which is a tool that lets you um, tell Google when to transfer your data. So for example, you can set it for three months or six months or 12 months. If you've been inactive for a certain period of time, Mm there's kind of this assumption there that either you're no longer using your account or you may have passed away because you're no longer using it, yeah. right? And so I can, like, I have mine set to say, like, after th- three months of inactivity on Google, which would mean I, I'm either living on a remote island somewhere or, like, something bad has happened. Like, my mom is my inactive account manager. And, like, you can
0: set that, and then they get access to your account. Ah, but it's just a, little, a lot of inactive accounts. I have, like, dozens of them somewhere. I don't know what happened to them. Yeah, but really? Yeah. Oh. Huh. I tried. I've been around a long time. I've had lots of emails. You don't remember all the emails yeah, that used some to point, exist yeah I yeah. guess I mean
1: I I guess at some point I just assume if, I, if I'm if i still living and not using it mm-hmm. for months and months or years and it just means yeah, very, very little I just to recently me. got a
0: Yahoo one I haven't been in Yahoo for years using except when I'm trying to figure out what the oh, hell's going yeah. on with the I Yahoo know. mail would you care to actually
2: <laughs> preserve that is that important no I don't care yeah. I don't
0: even know what it says they're probably inane Probably from Pottery Barn still. Anyway, uh, this question is from J.P. Balajadia. It's an email question. It's a little off topic, but what happens to our digital library in general? I paid for music, books, upgrades to programs or apps. Can I leave those in my will to someone? How would a beneficiary gain access to those types of files, and how would a digital media company respond or verify? Should we start to leave our kids all of our passwords in our wills and just continue to log on and pass down passwords for generations?
2: So. Uh, legally this is actually a little bit of a murky area most of the time buying uh, a song or a movie you're actually just getting a license to to use it and it usually is tied to your identity Uh, i don't know if it's been tested in court whether or not if you uh, leave in a will that uh, all of my possessions go to you know to my children or something whether or not companies would be forced to honor those licenses for your kids i'm not sure if that's ever been tested i would guess that uh most companies would say that uh, it's actually tied to you, like you're buying a license yeah. for yourself, and so right. either a yeah, time-limited or a lifetime license. Music companies aren't going to give you anything, right? Yeah. My my guess is that uh, they might have a hard time, although it's also so obviously on the morally wrong side of things that the backlash is going to be pretty bad. But about. also,
0: when you buy a physical DVD or something, you own the DVD, and you can, give it to, you can leave it to someone, so I'm, why shouldn't you... I, it's interesting. I'd have to look in the digital. Yeah. I don't even know from the contract. I'm if, guessing that you're right.
2: This is one of these, like, bullshit areas of IP mm-hmm. law that, you like... Paid for it. Yeah, that obviously the companies are going to say the wrong thing, and mm-hmm. there's going to be a major outcry. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty confident that, in, like, in the long term, it's going to turn out that you really can leave music to your children. Yeah, and,
0: your music that you bought. Yeah, and, and if anybody says you can't, it, then your books. they're
2: just wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I think about that all the time when I have books, and I, want, I wanted my brother to read a book that I'm reading, and I, I'm like, I bought it, but I can't let him... Read. I pay. They said you. You know you own your books and stuff like that, or music or stuff like that, and you just can't share very easily at all. Yeah, but Obviously, this is like this is a pirating th-
2: the tip of the iceberg in terms of mm-hmm. problems with digital rights management and and the idea that you're trying to restrict who owns access to digital data. Right. Absolutely. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, if anything, maybe some of these family sharing plans that exist now. You know, we've seen them obviously around wireless services and streaming music mm-hmm. services have been a little bit more hip to this than, you know, digital download services. But this idea that like a bunch of people opt into the same account, right? Or you're paying yeah. one flat fee for yep. five or six people to use it. Maybe there's some loopholes in there um, that involve
0: you being able to access other digital well, media. Phil, how, do you, how, how do you like the idea of passing down passwords for generations?
2: It's a really bad idea.
0: You know, like <laughs> fluffy the cat one.
2: Yeah. Remember, yeah. years
0: ago, your great-great-grandfather. I mean, I'm going to pass it down to you, Fluffy the Cat 1, <laughs> and you'll be able to play Minecraft.
2: It's unfortunately not even a good idea to just leave your password once in your will just because what if you change it you know, afterwards? Right. Uh, right. All of this is, is pretty brittle, and society needs to you know fairly quickly get, get to be a much more robust versions of this. But
0: mm, I just want to vex my descendants. I think that would be great. What, what, what cat was she naming it after? You know what I mean? Was it egg or lovely? lovely. Neither. <laughs> I just want to say the names of your cats. Everyone who's listening, I do not use my cats as passwords. Thank you very no, much. No, she uses
1: one, two, three, four, I five. I use Lauren's cats. cats as password.
0: <laughs> I only have one. His name is Nugget. Everybody knows who Nugget is
1: because he's, don't Go- use he's Google famous. And
0: and so, Phil, do you recommend those password services then? Because that's you know the, a lot of people do recommend them.
2: Yeah, that, that's that's definitely better. Um, mm-hmm. I think I it's going to triage how to do this. The first thing would be to in plain English or whatever language you, you speak, just write down what you want to have happened mm-hmm. in like basic human speech and then just stick that in your will. Right. Uh, because then a, a court is going to really defer a lot to your wishes if those wishes are clear. Mm-hmm. Right. So that that's kind of to start with. Well, I actually say there's, there's like a step zero before this, which is if there's something that you want to say to people, like don't rely on them finding it after you're dead in some right. like email account, like go ahead and say it. So that's the best thing to do. Other than that, explain what you want to happen to to all of your digital uh, accounts and digital legacy. And then after you've done that, then go ahead and kind of look through service by service and if they have functionality like Facebook does, uh, that Google is starting to. That's actually fairly robust, you know, use that. You know, for the other ones, yeah, leave a leave a username and password. Know.
0: How do you want to be remembered digital? We have to finish up now. How do you fill feel- live in want to be remembered digitally
2: well, I actually don't care at all about all of the small stuff um, I'm not particularly embarrassed about stuff I, I, I think uh, the the various minutia of my life may be interesting to you know historians and uh, you know many years from now just mm-hmm. to see how random nerds lived but I don't I don't particularly care about it. I, I do. I would like to have a life that's meaningful. I'd like to have a life that has enough important things in it that people remember the the important contributions.
0: But there is so much minutia now. Can you imagine if Lincoln been around during texting? You know what I mean. Ah, uh, he. You know, he decided on the emancipation, and then. Oh, that sandwich is delicious. Like, you know, like the minutia goes away. I'm sure he had issues around his food or whatever. Yeah. Or, or it'll, I, I have a stomach ache. And it'll, it'll
2: go away digitally as well. It'll just be mm. buried into the mountain of other useless stuff that you just won't but I think won't the access. useful stuff
0: could get buried with the useless stuff because there's so much useless stuff.
2: I think there's uh, lots of ways for the, the high quality stuff to surface uh, algorithmically or whether, you know, people think that it's important. Um, I think I. If you've done something really significant in life and you're worried that mm-hmm. no one's going to find out about it, it's probably because it's not actually very significant.
0: Well, I'm just thinking, I have a huge success with the Gettysburg Address and how he wrote it, and I have a book that shows the four or five different versions he did, and yeah. they're all written, and there's hand... I just love looking at them. Yeah. And I can't imagine that online. There's no way to have experienced yeah. that online in any perceptible way. One
1: of our former colleagues once said to me she had worked for uh, at least a couple of tech blogs now that no longer exist Mm -hmm. including GigaOM and All Things D and she remarked once that just it was really interesting that she had you know spent 10 years of her life doing this particular type of work and now like those archives of her stories may oh very there. soon no things longer, things longer things are exist. There, but all things, things is still there. But we don't okay, we don't like, know what's We're, long we're, we're not going to do right. And uh, so <laughs> that guy. Yeah. And so even as a journalist, it's he kind of weird to think people. about being a journalist in the digital world and sure. thinking about how much time we spend on digital video and Snapchats and things. You know, and just writing these blog posts well, that like. Although they may think not, of the
0: archives. I mean, the I wrote for the Washington Post for more than a decade, and I was there just recently, and I said, "Oh, are your archives?" He's like, "I don't know. They're somewhere." They're like these are. This is the whole history of the Washington Post, and it's all moldering away and news. And you know, people didn't haven't been keeping them beautifully. But I still
1: have my very first print article in a box from the Wall Street Journal. You do. Yeah, I do.
0: Yeah, I have like. I'm saying they're not kept. You know what I mean? Like by the institutions that created them, either they're hard. They're not digitized. Not most of them. It's Hmm. too expensive. And what's the point?
2: Most of the digital stuff is out there, right?
0: It's hard to find. It's really it is actually hard to find. You know, Brewster Carroll's. Uh, might have had some of it, but I'll tell you, I was looking for an article uh, from the Washington Post that should have been online and it just wasn't.
2: It wasn't like in the, in the internet archive and in the uh, way back it was machine. Not, I, couldn't,
0: I mean, finding it was like a needle in a haystack. It was mm. interesting. So there we go. All our work for naught. For naught. It's yeah. the
2: paywalls. So
1: Someday my you. grandkids are going to be, I'll be like, I did YouTube <laughs> videos and they'll be like, what's YouTube, grandma? Yeah. I'll be like,
0: no, they were cool, I swear. Yeah, well. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow <laughs> creeps in this petty pace from day to day and all our yesterdays, you know. <laughs> Sorry, well, Shakespeare that for that you. Note. <laughs> all right, Phil, thank you so much for coming. It's a really, it is a really interesting topic and one we don't think about. We don't think about death in general on lots of things, but this one is, is really quite daunting. In it a it is very ways. cool. daunting yeah thank you so much for joining us and this has been another great episode of too embarrassed to ask if you enjoyed the episode as much as we did
1: and if you're not totally depressed at this point be sure to subscribe to the show because we do do a lot of uplifting shows as well and leave us a review at itunes.com slash too embarrassed to ask but you
0: will die like everybody else. And subscribing is great before you do. You'll uh, be the- <laughs> not if you're getting injections of young people's blood. Yeah, that's what I'm doing next week. You'll be the first to listen new episodes every Friday or catch up on previous episodes where we answer all of the tech questions that our listeners have been too embarrassed to ask. That's iTunes.com slash too embarrassed to ask. You can
1: also subscribe on Google Play Music, TuneIn, Stitcher. SoundCloud we're on SoundCloud yes, now which is are. super exciting um, or you can just go to the website go to recode.net forward slash podcasts and we are there as
0: well and while you're there you should check out our other podcasts Recode Decode Recode Replay and Recode Media with Peter Kafka yes and The Verge also has a couple of
1: wonderful podcasts
0: for you to listen to
1: Walt Mossberg and Eli Patel host Control Walt Delete best podcast name ever
0: I also usually hosts The Verge Cast and don't forget to tweet your questions ahead of time to at Recode with the hashtag Too Embarrassed or email them to Too at recode.net and after we die they'll be there yes thanks for listening and thank you for continuing to listen
1: long long after we're gone Mm -hmm. uh thank you also to our sponsors casper sofi and indeed prime thanks also to digital media which is the company that distributes the show we'll be back next week to answer more of the questions you've been too embarrassed to ask